Yes, we're going to continue our fellowship in John. Uh, we're in the third message tonight. And um, um, something that uh, impressed me about this, uh, getting to the book of John, is this matter, this statement I heard, we have heard it so many times, is that life meets the need of every man. And um, um, even whenever I think about John, that statement just, the Lord's life meets the need of every man. And in John, you've got nine cases, the need of the moral, uh, Nicodemus in chapter three, the need of the moral, the Samaritan. Um, hold on a second, I need to... Um, so yeah, so in, in the Gospel of John, so many cases, the need of the moral, the need of the moral. Um, and then chapter five, you have the need of the impotent. What do they need? They need life and livening. Chapter six, you have the need of the uh, thirsty, hungry. And what do they need? Life feeding. In chapter seven, you have the need of the thirsty and they need life quenching. In chapter eight, uh, you have what? What do we see in chapter eight? Um, the need of the uh, those who are in the bondage of sin. And what do they need? Life setting free. And then in, in uh, chapter nine, we saw the need of the blind. And what do they need? Is life, life side and life shepherding. And so in all these cases, um, it's amazing that it's a life life that meets our every need. And so life is not a small matter. You know, I've heard this term life, life, it's not a small matter. It meets our every need. If you consider the illustration, like the tiger illustration, um, you look at a picture of a tiger, what do you see? You walk away thinking, oh, I like that grass, that palm tree. Is that what you think about? No, if someone asked you, what was the most impressive thing of that picture? It was a tiger. And so what is the tiger in the Bible? The tiger in the Bible is life. It's this life that makes us wanna shout. So in Genesis from the beginning, you see life, the tree of life was there. At the end, you have the tree of life. In Revelation, where the in 22:14 says that he gave us right to the tree of life. And in the middle of the Bible, this always impressed me. In John chapter 7, 37, who do we have in the middle of the Bible? We have Jesus Christ. And this one is there. He's not just speaking softly, come to me. He's there with this word. It says in uh, 737, these verses are not here on y'all's sheet. It says, Jesus stood and cried out. In Greek, that word cried means to shriek. So he's not there speaking softly. So right in the middle of the Bible, who do we have is Jesus. It's not a small matter. Jesus is saying he's shrinking. He, he shrieks. And what is he saying? If anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. And so it to me is very clearly in the Bible, in the book of John, 
is what does God wants us to do is to enjoy him as our life. He's the one who meets our every need. And so if we do this, we're people of life. We will spontaneously be built up in the home groups and in the Zoom meetings. You know, in my experience this year, I've, I've realized, you know, pretty soon, you know, after COVID-19, we all got excited about Zoom meetings. Oh, great. I can see so-and-so. How cute. I can see you. You can see me. But after a while, we experienced Zoom fatigue. And we all did that. And I realized, Lord, I need more life. Because eventually, the reason why we not, may not be so wanting to be built up on the Zoom meetings is because of a shortage of life. And I can testify this year, I look forward to my Zoom, Zoom group meeting on the Lord's Day. So to me, it's awesome. Live meets our every need, and that live will help us to build up the church life. So let's move on here. On the title of this message, The Need of the Dead, Live Resurrecting. I'll read this verses briefly. John 11, 11, he said these things, and after this, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going that I may wake him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Um, but Jesus has spoken about his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Then they took the stone away and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing around, I said that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with clothes, and his face was bound about with a handkerchief. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. So we're going to get into more details about this story, but this is not just a story. We're going to say this is not just about the Lord healing someone who was dead, and now the person is alive. It's way more than that. So in Roman number one, it says the basic problem of fallen mankind in the last three cases of John well we saw a sin John 8 Jesus answered them everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin then we have a problem of blindness and as he passed by he saw a man blind from birth and then we have the problem of death John 11 14 so Jesus then told them plainly Lazarus has died so in the first case of uh, the Nicodemus, you have there the need of the moral. What do they need? They need life regeneration, right? And then the last case is death. And it's physical death. But what's in between? All those nine cases in between, you have people that are hungry, thirsty, impotent. They're paralyzed toward God. All that. It's death. And, and because of God's salvation, as believers, Christ is in us. We have been born again of God, Romans 8 10 says, but if Christ is in you, Christ is in us. So in our spirit, he's present to our soul life. And eventually gives life to our mortal body. 
So yes, there's a problem of, of, of fallen mankind, sin, blindness, death, but praise the Lord, we're born again. If you're a Christian, a believer in Christ, we're born again of God, and in us is Christ. And this Christ is spreading into our soul life. And this explains why, you know, in my experience, I was, you know, when I was a college student, uh, as you can tell, I'm no longer a college student. I actually turned this year 5050. Can't believe. But I was 22 when I started meeting with the believers. And, and, and but before that, I remember being so active, just like the need of the hungry. They were busy. And I would be just spending so much money on things. Oh, this is another weekend. It's time for me to buy another piece of shirt. $50 I would spend on the shirt. Oh, great. That'll make me happy. Go for a meal. Great. And I was never satisfied until I began to feed on Jesus. And I remember in those days, we didn't have no smartphones. This is 1990. I mean, there were some phones, but nothing, nobody had them, only the contractors and the builders. And I remember calling the, the bank account to see how much money I got. Yes, I never did good balance in my accounting when I was a student. I would just spend all the money and then I realized I will call the number and it would give me my, my balance. And I realized, oh my word, I almost spent all the money. I only have enough money to pay rent, eat rice and beans for the rest of the semester and enough to get back home. And this time when I called the number after meeting with the believers for a semester, I called the number, I was like, wow, I got all this money in the bank. Spontaneously. Instead of spending money, the Lord was meeting my every need of satisfaction. So let's move on here. On the two, it says death, the last negative factor, affecting man's entire being. I hope we will see this. This is a revelation. It sounds negative, right? Death, the last negative factor, affecting man's entire being. Um, so here in 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says, death, the last enemy is being abolished. Um, it's death. You know, many Christians are, we, we, we feel that, okay, you're born again Christian. Like when I was a new believer, I was a born again believer, okay? And we immediately know that we have weaknesses, shortages in our being. We make mistakes. And talking about temper, I remember when I was a student, I would hear someone say, oh, I have a temper problem. They'll be testifying in a church meeting. And I was thinking, wow, I have no temper issue. And once I got married, I was in my honeymoon. On my third day, I can't remember, we were on a cruise boat. I can't remember, this is like, many years, about 20 or so years. And I, I don't know what, I don't remember what I told my wife, but I just said something, I got upset and I just walked away. I went to my cabin room and I just said, what's that all? Wow, I do have a temper problem. We all do, a lot of us. But we, what we need to see here is that it is not like we need the Lord to deal with our temper a little bit here and there. It's that the real root problem in all these weaknesses, it's the matter of death. Because of the fall of man, death has corrupted our spirit, soul, and body. 
So A says we're dead in our spirit. That's what happens when we uh, ate of the wrong tree in Genesis. It says, and you, though dead in your offenses and sins, and then B, are so under death influence. Romans 8, 6, A says, for the mindset on the flesh is death. Mindset on the flesh is death. And so our soul is weak and fragile because of death. You take a nap, you wake up, don't you feel a little bit death, deadened? It's death. So, you know, I give you an example. I mean, not to expose young people. I mean, it happens to everybody, old people too, but young people can be very active toward the things of the world, but not toward God. Someone calls you, hey, do you want to pray? Do you want to get together? Oh, no, I'm tired. I just finished my homework. I want to eat something and relax. You know what that is? That is death. That's the bottom line, is death. But if on the same evening someone else calls you, hey, you want to go play basketball? If you're a guy, you'd be playing basketball till 2 a.m. If you're a girl, is what if someone calls you, hey, you want to go get some booba tea? You're all active and excited. And look at our emotions too. They're like, like flying paper, very sticky. We have been damaged by the fall. Um, and your will, what do we choose? Do we choose the Lord or do we choose our bed? There's a lot of cool apps on our phones. What do we choose? The secular apps or the spiritual apps? And, and so, here in Ephesians 2, 2, 3a, it's very interesting. You have here the dead, the, the, we're going to see this matter about uh, the dead man's walk. It's what these verses were revealed here in Ephesians 2, 2 through 3a, the dead man's walk before you receive Christ. And it's, I'll read the verse, it says, in which you once walk according to the age of the world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air of the spirit, which is now operating the sons of disobedience among whom we also all conducted ourselves once in the loss of our flesh, doing the desires of our flesh and of the thoughts. So here the, the dead man's walking is somewhere up in three words, uh, carry it. And that you see in two in which you once walk according to the age of this world. So we were like a dead leaf in a current going down the river. So before we see Christ, and we're just like a dead leaf. This is why in the world we would just be imitating people, uh, imita imitating other lifestyles. Divorces are so common that they even say that it's good for the kids that they're parting away. Couples living together. You know, my experience as a college student, when I went to UT, I remember looking at the Austin culture. Wow, when I first saw them as a 22, I transferred from Laredo to Austin. They, the girls, the guys, they look kind of funky looking, hippie-ish. 
in Sixth Street. And I was like, wow, that looks kind of funky, but I was interested in that culture. And before I knew it, my jeans were cut. And I had this bandage around me and these things. And, and I started putting black earring and I, st I started looking like them. I was just being carried away by the Athenian culture. And then the other key word is push. In verse two says, now operating in the sense of disobedience. Many times in the world, the dead man's walk, you're with your friends, and you get pushed to do things. And what is it the next day you feel shame even to mention it to others? And then thirdly, the role, how we're being affected by this dead man's walk is, it's just breakless. There's no break. If it feels good, you do it. And so in our Christian life, we should have lots of walks. I'm not talking about just doing good and evil but we need to be living in the restrictions of our life, of the Lord in us. And, you know, like I said already, Christ in you, Romans 8, 10. As believers, we have Christ in us. And like I mentioned a little bit of my experience when I was stood in Sixth Street. And, um, and I remember I used to go there four times a week. My brother introduced me, my flesh brother, to that place, and I would dance for hours. But after meeting the believers for a while, uh, actually, I would say of many other things, it took me longer to stop. But Sixth Street was one of those things, I, I think the only thing, that when I came to my first college meeting on Saturday, within me, I was done with Sixth Street. That was the first restriction ever. I never went back. Although one time I was tempted, my brother from Germany came to visit us and, and, and we went out to Sixth, we were going after eating at a, at a dinner, my, my flesh brother from Germany said, hey, why, why don't we go to Sixth Street? I was with my three siblings and I felt like I was being pushed, carried. And as soon as we start walking to 6th Street, I still remember that night, I look at a taxi from a distance and I say, hey, you guys go ahead. I'm not comfortable with this place. I don't like it. Don't worry about me, I'll take a taxi. The moment I got inside that taxi, I don't know how taxis are today, but I did not care how, how slow that driver was going and the meter was going, charging you money. I was filled with life. And you know, even though in those days, yeah, Sixth Street, that was a long time ago. But something I realized this year is that Sixth Street, there is no comparison to this thing that we treasure, our iPhone. Don't get me wrong, I'm totally for smartphones. You have to, I mean, you, how can you live in the society nowadays without a smartphone? You need it for school, for job. I mean, it's, it's endless. So I'm all for technology. Just ask my wife, you know, I'm the one who says, honey, it's time for you to get a new phone. You got to upgrade. But this thing can be very distracting. And this year I felt like, Lord, 
I want to use technology. I want to use technology more to bombard my brain first thing in the morning. And so I started just by the speaker. I would just play the speaker of this thing for, for a month or three weeks. And then finally, I got myself this thing. Um, sorry, it's kind of this thing, right? I mean, the, 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 um, um, the AirPods. It's not on. Don't think I'm hearing something right now. Uh, and I got this thing. And what I do in the mornings, I get up and the first thing I do, I put on this things and I'm, I have to do some workout for my back because I heard it a few years ago and I don't care what I'm listening. I'm listening to, to, um, 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 biblical radio messages, uh, songs, hymns, and it, it just, in the past, the first thing I would do in 2020, especially the longer we stayed in, under COVID, I would be reading news and media and stuff. So eventually my morning was spent in, in reading all kinds of things going on. Now I put this thing on and I'm using technology, it's instant. One morning I remember waking up and the first thing he played I, I didn't have plan. I just put it on and, and, and hit the app. And, and don't hit the social media app or I don't, I'm not into social media, Fox News, whatever. And, and immediately play Kiss the Sun. So I was hardly waking up and then this thing just hits it. Kiss the Sun. So I'm barely waking up. Many times it's like that. And so now for two months I've done this. It's like spontaneously, I don't even care to use my secular apps. Don't get me wrong. I still have all my apps. I'm not deleting apps. But I realize because our being is affected by death, by default, when we wake up in our morning, we're in death. And we need the resurrection life. We need the Lord to save us. We need God's salvation. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, um, maybe we should move on here to uh, Roman number three. Let's get into this story, some of the details. The Lord's delay. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, in order that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he remained at that time in the place where he was for two days. So the question here is, why did the Lord delay himself? Was he just testing his pa their patience? Oh, let's see how long I wait until they start getting nervous. Where am I? Was he testing their faith? No. He wanted to show them that he did not come to be a, a healing savior, but he came to be the savior who imparts life into man. And so um, this, is, this is why uh, many times he doesn't answer our prayers. Uh, we could be praying that the Lord would help our temper, 
but he wants us to realize we're just dead end. And instead of your temper improving, it gets worse the more you pray about it. You know, something I realized, you know, I, I may refrain from joking with, with the believers and other people, but at home with my family, doing, especially in COVID 2020, my wife would ask me, Victor, why are you teasing me all the time? And I, I eventually I realized, especially this message helped me to see, you know what? That's just death. I need life. And the Lord, the reason he delays in answering prayers is because he wants us to realize I'm just in death. I need the Lord to supply me life right now. Lord Jesus, give me more life now. And um, so in A, it says to reveal the Lord as a life-giving Savior. That's why he delays himself. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes into me, even if he should die, shall live. So in this verse, it's in the context of this chapter on the need of the dead, where the Lord says, the Lord didn't say, I am the healer and the life. The Lord says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's what he wanted them to see, that he is in the business of not to improve our lives, our weaknesses, but to impart life. And um, so John 10, 10, just some verses to confirm this matter. Again, I have come that they may have life. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life. Guys, it's the sun that gives us life. And, um, okay, let's move on here and be. It says, not to help our natural life, but to bring our whole being into resurrection. So there's the initial stage of resurrection, regeneration. John 3, 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I already read Romans 8, 10, but it presses in you, right? So, this point show us that one third of our being is life. Did y'all realize that? Because Christ is in you, in your spirit, your spirit is life. And then there's a continuation of the stage of resurrection, sanctification, transformation. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with an unveiled face beholding and reflecting like a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord spirit. So we need to learn to turn to our spirit to take Christ as our life. Um, yeah, the third point is the consummation. When the Lord comes back, we'll be glorified. Our, it says here 321, who will transfigure the body of our humiliation. So again, you know, he didn't came to help our natural life, but to bring our whole being into resurrection. And this firstly starts in our spirit. Then from our spirit, he spreads into our soul. And eventually, he, when he comes second time, we'll be glorified, we'll be transfigured. But this is why we need to learn to turn to our spirit. There's this song, we sang it tonight. The, the verse three says, now we're learning to turn. Now we're learning 
to turn to our spirit. Now we're learning to take Christ as life. Now we're learning to feed upon Jesus and be free from all struggling and strife. That's one of my favorite verse, verses of the song. We're just learning. Yes, because of the fall of man, we're just death. But in our spirit, we are life. Christ in us is life. And yes, we might make mistakes. We might go to the wrong place, be carried by this world. But we have the Lord's blood to forgive us. And we're just learning. That's why I always like this verse. I'm just learning. I did an oopsie the other day. But praise the Lord, I'm learning. We're learning to turn to our spirit. Take Christ as our life. And it's pretentiously, the verse says, we're going to be free from all struggling and strife. So let's move on here to four. It says, a way to receive the Lord's life-giving and resurrection. So here we see in the first 10 chapters of John, we see religion opposing life. You know, just like that case we saw today when the Lord gave the sight to the blind man. Who was there so faithfully? questioning the guy who was blind. He was the religious ones. They did not care about him. They were opposing what the Lord has done. So here, the Lord in chapter 11, he's in Bethany, which signify a miniature of the church life. So what's striking here is that in chapter 11, there's no religious people. What you have is the lovers of Christ, the disciples, Mary, Martha. And what are they doing? They're expressing their opinions. And so in this section A is that if we want to receive the Lord life-giving resurrection, we need to learn to drop our human opinions and submit to the Lord's leading and revelation. And so I'm going to briefly go through these verses. No, no worries. I'm not going to. And so in number in one, you got the disciples. I just read part of the verses. It says the Lord told them he wants to do something, right? He's leading them to do something. And then he says, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you going there again. And then again, another opinion. I'm skipping around, but if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. And then Martha. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Wow, it sounds like they're teaching the Lord. Come on, Jesus, you've been here, my brother would not have died. And then Mary, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. And then the Jews, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have caused that this man would not die? And then Martha came back for what? Uh, number two? <laughs> More opinions. Said, Lord, but now he smells. Jesus said, take away the stone. He's, he's leading them. He's trying to get to Lazarus to bring life. And you got opinion of the opinion hindering the Lord. That even Martha said, Lord, by now he smells. So, and then um, you got the New Testament application, great examples here in Acts. Uh, read the verse that says, and the Lord said to him, 
rise up and go to the lane called Straight and seek in the house of Judas a man from Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many concerning this man, how many evil things he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Again, the Lord wants to Ananias to lay his hands on Saul, who eventually changed his name to Paul. He's the one who wrote 14 books out of the New Testament. And you have this little brother with his big opinion opposing what the Lord wants to do. And, 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 and by the Lord's mercy, he did drop his opinion. And Saul was able to be identified to the body. Y'all know all the details. Another example in Acts of Peter, and a voice came to him, rise up, Peter, slay and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common and unclean. Again, Peter said, by no means. That's what our opinions are toward the Lord. It's a big no. And so many times the Lord would come to us and we will remember name of a believer. I had that experience many times and I think, no, Lord, there's no way that that person could ever change. What is that? That's my opinion. Hindering the Lord who wants to resurrect the brother or sister or unbeliever. We don't know what the Lord would do. Um, imagine if, if the Lord would have, uh, uh, if Ananias wouldn't gone to lay his hands on Saul and Peter who, when he eventually said, okay, he eventually did go Peter, by the way, and he went, this is in Acts 10, and that's where salvation came to the Gentiles. So it's a huge matter for us to drop our opinions and take the Lord's leading. Um, so on B, the last section here in this message is cooperating with the Lord to lose others and be loosed by others from earthly bondage. Um, so John eleven forty four it says, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with clothes, and his face was bound about with a handkerchief. Jesus said to them, um, loose him and let him go. So yes, Lazarus is resurrected but he's still bound. His mouth, his hands, he's bound. So in order for, for us to cooperate with the Lord's resurrection, to complete the Lord's resurrection, he needs others uh, to lose other believers who resurrected. And so number one, we need to help others to call on the Lord's name. That's not a small thing. It says, you may have life in his name. Y'all want to have life? Call on the Lord. In Acts 22, 16 says, and now, why do you delay? Rise up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So calling in Greek means to do it audibly. It means... Um, 
you call an actual person Jesus. And when we do so, we can touch our spirit. That's where Christ is. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 3b says, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. No one can say, you know, in your own personal device, if you're home alone or you're in your watch party, why don't we say Lord Jesus Christ three times? Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. You know, you calling, where are you? You're in your spirit. And I remember the first time I heard about this is when I came to my first initial meetings as a college student. And, and I remember uh, I, I came, like I said, I came to college meeting the next day. I went to the church meeting, a brother who was a student. He picked me up with his wife and another sister. And I remember I was riding in the car going to the church meeting and the brother was on my left side. I can't remember where the wife was and where the sister was in the back. And they were calling on the Lord. They were saying, Lord Jesus. So I, I was left, Lord Jesus, on my back, Lord Jesus. Like he was on stereo mode. It's like, oh my word, they're just calling Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I mean, I, I can't illustrate it. But I remember spontaneously, my mouth began to open a little. And, and that's how it was. Eventually on my own, I decided to try it out. But have I not had the help of someone to help me to call on the Lord? I probably would have not done it today. I probably wouldn't be, wouldn't be so easy for me to call today. And, but I remember I decided to try it out in my own private room. I went and locked myself in my room and, and I turned off the lights and sat down and I began to call Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. And before I knew it, I was standing up. I was jumping. I was calling. I was just like, wow. You know, I, I was always so reserved, so quiet. And finally, I feel released from my bondage. Yes, I was saved. The Lord was in me. That was, that's why I was coming to the meetings. Like you guys, you guys are on this Zoom conference because Christ is in you. But we need to help each other to call on the Lord. And that's why I eventually went to my room, not of my own accord, not my own thing, but I was influenced. I was being helped. And when, whenever I was done calling the Lord, I turned off the lights and I checked the time and it was like for an hour and a half. And I thought it was just for 15 minutes. I'm not saying that you will call on the Lord that long, but my point is like, we really need to help each other to call on the Lord. And this is why today it's easy for me to call. Even I think calling is one of those practices that I do it by default. It's, it's one of those things like in Psalm 18, 6 says, in my distress, I call upon the Lord. It's not because of that verse I call, although it does show you that when you have a problem, it's the right time to call, but it's because of the pattern. 
Whenever I get with the believers, they'll be calling. They'll be calling in their cars. They'll be calling when they'll be, you know, when you stay in the college conference in person and you're taking the showers, different people are taking showers. I'll be hearing people calling, Lord Jesus. I'll hear them when they wake up in the morning calling, Lord Jesus. And the reason why today I do it by default so easily is because I have that pattern. That even when I'm mad, there's times that I'm really mad and I still call. And I'm like, why did I call? Wow, I touched my spirit. Christ is in me. I have no problems. So the other way here to, to um, uh, cooperate with the Lord, to, to uh, lose others and be loosed by others from earthly bondage is by touching the spirit in the word. Ephesians 6, 17, 18a says, um, um, let me see, it says, and receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which spirit is the word of God, by means of all prayer and petition, praying at every time in spirit. So in the word of God, we need to touch the spirit in the word. And you know, this verse clearly says that the sword of the spirit, we need the sword of the spirit. Which spirit is the word of God and how do we receive it by means of all prayer? And again, we need one another to do this. When I was a college student in the same scenario, I got saved by reading the Bible on my own. Well, not really. Uh, my brother started reading the Bible first. So I saw that pattern. He's reading the Bible. He's more motivated about life. You know, he's the one that took me to the Sixth Street nightclubs. So he started reading the Bible and he started saying change. So I started reading it. So I got saved. It's a long story. I don't have time to tell the details. But a few months later, I started meeting with the believers. And I had this one-on-one -on -one time with the brother and another uh, two guys. And we would go up there to the library room and find a little room to read the Bible. And I remember the, the first, I, 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 I think it was the first time. I still remember the first time. Y'all know, know why it's because, well, uh, I'll explain in a minute. We sat down at the table, he's in front of me, the students on my left side. And he said, well, let's read the Bible wherever you're at. I was reading the New Testament. I can't remember which book. So for example, if I'm in Romans chapter two, we'll read chapter three or chapter two. That's what we're gonna read. And so we go around reading two verses each. And when it was this brother's turn to read, I sensed that he was touching his spirit. He was reading the word prayerfully that it just blew my, 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 my it just blew me away that he was not reading the Bible like I'm reading it. So little by little, I was helped by them to read the word prayerfully. Another time I remember getting with them and we did, they said, why don't we pray read a verse? Uh, first, I still remember 1 Corinthians 1, 9. Uh, God is faithful through whom you were calling to the fellowship. Let's start prayer reading. I think I must have opened the, my mouth a little bit here, but I don't remember me praying much. I remember their prayers. 
And I remember walking away from that time thinking, wow, God is faithful. Through whom I was calling to the fellowship. And I was so enlightened. And so little by little, I was helped to touch the spirit and the word. So we can never be independent. I, don't, I can't say, well, I don't need the brothers today. But today, if it's easy for me to touch the spirit and the word, it's because I had patterns. And so we need to take advantage of those that you're connected with to read the word together, pray the word together. And uh, that's how the Lord can release us and from our bondage. And then another point, by finding him in the morning, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She's supposing that he was a gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I would take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. So again, this is another way. It's early in the morning, Mary was looking for the Lord and she did find him. The Lord had this practice in Mark 135, where he will get up early in the morning to go pray to the Father. Again, the reason why I can have these times with the Lord, although it's because of those times with the brothers. I remember as a student telling this other brother, I was touched about more revival and said, why don't we just do it twice a week by phone? And in those days, um, I would just call him for five minutes, we'll pray. And in those days I was doing all nighters. And I remember, wow, this is, this helped me to be released in the morning. I've always would just pray at night because I got saved by reading the Bible at night, never in the morning. And I realized, wow, if I touch the Lord first thing in the morning, it does change my whole day. You know, like I said today, the AirPods and, and putting it on my ears, I do that all in the morning now. And again, the reason why that's easy for me to do, although I'm using technology, whatever, because I know our body is being influenced by death, is because I had those believers who helped me to be loose. And then lastly, by confessing his name before men, Matthew 10, 32, everyone therefore who will confess in me before men, I also will confess in him before my father who is in heaven. So the point here is we need to preach the gospel. You know, in Philippians 1, 7b says that when it says, you are all fellow partakers with me of grace. So when we speak the things of the Lord, we get filled with grace, with joy, with life. And in my experience, again, as a student, I remember hearing this matter. It's good as a student to talk to others about the Lord. And I have a quiet disposition and in my heart, I didn't say anything, but I, I, I was thinking, no way would you going to get me out there. But the Lord's mercy, eventually I told this same brother, hey, I, I do want to talk to some about the Lord. So he and I would go out when I was a student. And I remember I was just going to give a flyer to someone and I just look up. You know, the reason I look up because he's taller than me. And then I expect him to do all the talk. And that's how I would do it. I would enjoy going out with him. I wouldn't say one word. Oh, I would say one word. I'd say, hey, I want to give you a flyer. That's it. Then I'd look up to him and he'd do all the talking. And then one of those days, 
I did the same thing. I gave a track, I look up and he would do all the, but this time he didn't do no talking. He just looked the other way. And I remember it forced me to open my mouth and it was like my bandage were falling off. It, it was like difficult to open my mouth, but that was the beginning. And we need one another um, to learn all these things so that we could experience the Lord's salvation in a complete way.